Hey there, everybody. I want to open things up by thanking everybody who has uh, contributed to our Patreon campaign. Uh, we've had a very good couple of months, and I would love to see that continue. So if you're interested in looking at how to support this show and the entire network of shows that it is a part of, go to patreon.com slash TV. It's super simple, and it makes a big difference for us. Once again, patreon.com slash TV. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books and related works by Stephen King. My name is Cole Ross, and today I am joined by Autumn Greer. Delighted as always. And by Jeremy Greer. Hello. How are y'all? Doing just great, because we're here to talk about this awesome short story slash novella. I've never been clear on the distinction. Um, <laughs> yeah. Welcome <laughs> back, you two. It's been, a, it's, been, it's been a little bit. It, it has. Um, gosh, it it's like been it's so been long that you forgot how to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a pause there. <laughs> Overcast will smooth that out for people. Don't worry. <laughs> no no i'm i'm really uh really happy to have you two back um what uh what what drew you to this uh to the little sisters sisters of Illyria, which is what we're talking about here today this uh the short story you know this I, uh... was actually one of the ones i've never read before that's Ooh. always what draws me in on this list is things that i i hadn't actually um you know i've read a lot of stephen king books but um the the outliers i'm always happy to get a piece of nice and uh, I, I read this, I, I think, around the time that it came out uh, and uh, just enjoyed it and just liked it and wanted a chance to return to it and talk about it. I really enjoy short stories. I've been reading a lot of short stories uh, mm -hmm. recently for something unrelated. Um, but it's I just I, they're just so tiny and so easy to get through. And they're usually kind of kind of have a little one two punch to them. So I'm, I'm into them for sure. And Stephen King does them well. Um, you wouldn't think that he about does. all the long books or whatever, but. You look at something like different seasons or, you know, even this collection that this ended up in this, uh, you know, the one where I read it anyway, um, is full of a bunch of doozies, including one we're going to talk about uh, next year, I think. Probably. Yeah. Oh, I can't even think about next year. Wow. <laughs> I know <laughs> it'll it'll be during uh, during book seven. Book seven is going to be a little bit of a little bit of a sprawl of a season. Um, See. See that—that's how we'll start it off um, when we record for book seven, right? You'll say it's been a while, and we'll wait maybe ten minutes this time, and then we'll go, "Yes, yeah. yes, it has." <laughs> yes, I—I uh, I thought that you were going to do the whole "it's been a while" thing that Gary does to me all the time. He doesn't do it so much anymore, but I still—I still leave the room for him. So <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it, it, that's trademarked. I can't—I can't—I can't bite on that style. No, no, we yeah, yeah. We, I was about to say we have to pay royalties to Stained, but we also have to pay royalties to to Gary, and then I think to Comedy Bang Bang, which is where he, <laughs> which is where he got that from. Um, re regardless, I'm excited to talk about this, so why don't we kind of jump in with the biographicals here first? Little Sisters of Illyria was first published in 1998. I did not realize it was that early. It was only a year after Wizard and Glass. Um, really weird, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was a part of this kind of novella anthology with a bunch of other authors called Legends. I first encountered this as a part of Everything's Eventual, uh, the collection from 2002. Uh, it's the one after Hearts in Atlantis. 
um, it makes sense that this came out sh- so shortly after uh, Wizard and Glass because this does chronologically fall after that. Falls after that, after uh, went through the keyhole, uh, and after some of the comics that we discussed. Um, and also the one comic that we didn't discuss that really doesn't that really doesn't add an awful lot. Did you know that Eileen lived? And did you know that Roland met another girl who looked exactly like Susan and slept with her? Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, okay. <laughs> Good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. And now you know about the journey begins. <laughs> Don't tell Elda my, uh, that I dated a girl that looked just like her in high school, okay? That'll make things really weird. Ooh, awkward. Yeah, you, you, you turn those photos around in the album. Um, <laughs> uh, honey, why why, why, why is uh, this yearbook all cut up? I was making a collage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, had, we had weird traditions in my high school, sweetie. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It's... Oh. Um... Even though the comics are really hit or miss, the comic adaptation of this one is pretty good. Um, just because this is such a short story, they they're not actually like doing a lot of like time compression or anything. It's just a, you know, it hues to the claustrophobic nature of the story in a really cool way. So I would actually recommend that people pick that up. But um, why don't we get started here? This is a story that is broken up into six parts. I'm not going to read the titles of all of them because they are just synopses of what happens. For example, one, Full Earth, The Empty Town, The Bells, The Dead Boy, The Overturned Wagon, The Green Folk. Moving on, oh. number two. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King loves to do this kind of stuff with his with his titles, and I'm like, man, it's already a short story. Like, why are you why are you why are you giving me the anime summary of what's about to happen in the in the next twenty minutes of this episode? You know what I'm saying? Oh, the anime summary. You're, you're going to get us in trouble. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to say the dreaded A word. I apologize. <laughs> no, <it's fine. laughs> yeah. Um, but this opens up just like any other Western story ought to. We've got Roland. Uh, he has not reached uh, the, uh, oh gosh, the desert yet. He has not reached the Mohane. He's actually in the eastern foothills near the Desatoya Mountains. Actually, uh, this is the midworld slash all world version of the mountains near Des- uh, Desperation, Nevada. Uh, which is a strange coincidence. It's an actual mountain range, but you know, it has to be, it has to be somewhat intentional. Uh, but his horse is sick as he comes across this, uh, this town that is kind of seemingly, seemingly abandoned. Uh, poor Topsy, you guys, not just the elephant that Edison electrocuted, but this horse. Oh, he's, he's only two as well. Like, yeah. I mean, I, like I have horses. I'm not even getting on my horse till she's three. I mean, I know they start some race horses that young, but like, he's not even full grown yet. He's already got the sneezes and he's with a gunslinger. Like things aren't coming up topsy. No, they really coming up topsy. That's my favorite <laughs> musical. <laughs> Come up topsy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> So you say got the sneezes. I don't mean to typecast you as the horse expert, Autumn, but I I need to defer. I need to defer to your knowledge. You say got the is that a thing? Like if a horse gets gets that, the sneezes, that, that actually is not is not the thing. Um, but you know, I, I, Topsy's not doing well, Cole. Mm. No, he's, he's not been well. He's uh he he is he has walked uh, greener paths. Let's say. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like in child years i'm the equivalent of like an 11 year old boy why are you riding me oh no 
Roland is not afraid to put down a horse either. Like he's not he's not afraid to run a horse down to the to its bare components basically. And he he has the good decency to at least feel, if not guilty about it, at least try to be like I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, hopefully, you know, ease your suffering or something. But like, he doesn't really care. Like he doesn't feel guilty at all. I would be in tears by this point. I would be <laughs> like just blubbering over Topsy. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm so, so sorry. Oh, oh. There's, that, there's a nice moment later where he brushes the flies away from Topsy's eyes. And then is like, you know, I'm going to, they can lay eggs on you when you're dead. Not before. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, Thanks, bro. But, 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 but he's also real blasé. He's walking through a graveyard of a world and says, well, maybe there'll be a horse doctor, but if there's not, ka? <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to find another one of those muty six-leg horses. Just yeah, ride that one around just, for a while. borrow a couple of legs from him. Yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 got, he's got surplus. But yeah, he gets into this town and, you know, it's, it's empty. It's, you know, deserted pretty much, uh, except for these two sounds that Roland can hear. This kind of distant thumping and this high, sweet singing sound described as being like crickets, but more tuneful. And there are signs of massacre. There are red splotches, which Roland says might be paint, but, you know, <laughs> let's let's not be naive. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I love this abandoned town. Uh, it's described in lots of really good detail. Like, this was apparently a pretty hospitable place, too. Like, there were there were flowers hung over the welcome gate that was really big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Aluria, you know, not, not a bad place, it seems. I like the note that he makes where, um, because there's a church and it, the church is relatively close to two saloons. So he says that he thinks to himself that the church was full of rational people <laughs> instead yeah. of crazy people. And that makes me really happy of like, yeah, we go to church on Sundays, but you know, Saturday night we'd be drinking. Like, oh, we're yeah. going to have a good time. Yeah. This is not the town from Footloose. I should really learn the name of that town because <laughs> I reference, I reference that idea enough. <laughs> You know, I, I think it's almost more elegant saying the town from Footloose because no one cares what that bullshit town is named. No, no. It seems like an awful place. Well, it was an awful place to live, but then Kevin Bacon came along and so did Kenny Loggins. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. You know, Roland goes in. He inspects the sheriff's office. This is where he learns the name of the town, but also sees uh, kind of this mark in the ledger uh, noting the arrival of the Green Ones. Uh, about a year ago so hmm hmm <laughs> what's the uh what's the name of this book that he finds where it was all of these these crimes written in it it's something i meant to make a note oh, of it i must have forgotten because it's not in my the misdeed the, the book of misdeeds and tribulation what what was it it's misdeeds and like uh remisses or something remits or something like it's it's a it's a it's basically a book book of crimes and what we did to fix it it reminds me of yeah. the um misdeed the, uh, and the, redress yes yeah, the book. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it reminds me of the book of the guilty and Dark Souls. Oh very yeah, much, where you can just like it's like a leaderboard almost. You you have been indicted. Yeah, is that the, yes. is, is that the uh, <laughs> is is that what you get? I forget. I forget. It's been so that, long. That, that was the message exactly. Right, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I just uh, I've I've been working on one of those for uh, the current administration. Ha <laughs> ha. Political. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Um, no, so it's not just this town that is baking in the sun and nearly burnt out. Uh, there's also this big, uh, trough at the end of the, of, of the road here. Uh, it, it's, it's made of ironwood, but then also, uh, it turns out that ironwood is just another name, another name for Sequoia, which is very weird. Interesting. Is, is that, yeah, is I that, didn't know that. Is that a fact from real life or is that just ironwood? What I 
what I was thinking of was what what was the wood that they were harvesting in the last book? It, yeah, it was ironwood. But I mean, that's a very expensive horse trough, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, no. that'd be like like making something out of polished stainless steel and being like, okay, that's that's for cows to drink out of. Yeah. Uh, a common name for a large number of woods that have a reputation for hardness. Yeah, and there's just a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of trees that it otherwise might be. So, huh? Hmm. Yeah, weird. They they wanted they wanted their trough to be uh, to be especially sturdy because it's not just going to hold water. It's not just going to be the pride of the town and a fixture, but it might be you know just kind of a makeshift coffin depending on where the bodies land. <laughs> That thumping sound, uh, it is a young man's foot that is banging up against the side, um, you know, as he lays inside of it. Uh, and it's got this little doggo uh, pulling on his boot, trying to get it off so he can get at the uh, delectable treat inside. Um, couple of notes. This dog has a uh, a cross on his chest. This is going to be Schr Schrodinger's pup. Um, and also the body inside is floating in what Stephen King describes as skin stew. Stephen King loves to put bodies in soup. We saw it in the stand. We're seeing yeah. it here. He loves to have bodies in stew. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and Roland doesn't even get to take him out. Ugh. Yeah. I just skin stew, man. Like I'm glad I've already eaten, or else my appetite would be ruined at this point. Yeah. Well, at least he can still see the body inside. Like it is, not, it is not opaque. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like a it's it's a young boy, and he is wearing a uh, kind of this medallion that says, "Oh gosh, James, loved of family, loved of God," uh, and he is compelled to pick it up, and as he does so. Old Topsy, he gives up the old horse ghost. Um, falls over right as a bunch of mutants just start rolling down the town. Well, the one in the center is wearing a very jaunty bowler cap. Because what's the point of being a radioactive mutant if you don't got no style? Well, you have to. Uh, you have to peacock, is what they call it, right? Exactly. Hey, I mean, right. he's just trying to catch up rent since Roland has that dope new seventies medallion, right? Yeah. You know, I, I really like that Roland picked up the medallion because it reminds me totally of King's Quest. Like, you get the fish. You don't know what you're going to do with the fish. You just know you should probably keep it in your inventory just in case. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, unless it's one of those adventure games that has a weight limit and that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he grabs it. And it's actually for a good purpose. And, you know, uh, Roland's gunslinger moments, we always make a, make a note of these. He's immediately thinking, OK, you know, do I do I give him a proper burial? Is there something that I can, you know, the, the, is there something I can take, take from him that sticks out that I can give to the next of kin? You know, if I if I happen to see them down the down the way, this is like this is explicitly not not looting. This is him grabbing something in case he finds them because he knows that coincidence kind of seems to follow him around. Right. At yeah. some point, he must have given this up because by the time we would meet him in the gunslinger, he would just be literally carrying around like garbage, like contractor sized garbage bags full of, you know, dead people belongings and just in case he happened to see their family at end world or something well no wonder he goes, <laughs> no wonder he goes through horses and donkeys so fast <laughs> yeah. yeah lighten your load roland what are you doing 
Yeah, <laughs> this is so it's noted like, you know, and when when people talk to Roland and respond to him, he he looks old at this point, like he must look like he's in his 40s or something like that. 30s. It's it's remarked that he looks about 20 years older than than the young man that we find later on. Um, so this still seems this still seems a little bit early on in his in his quest because when these slow mutants roll up, he doesn't immediately fire. In fact, he wants to give them a chance to go away, you know, and, and, it, and it makes like a little remark here, you know, almost in the telling that says, you know, Roland wasn't that wasn't the kind of person who would, you know, who would fire first dot 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 yet. Right. <laughs> it's a little piece of characterization, right? Like he's the yeah. kind of guy that would um, straighten pictures in strange hotel rooms and also not the kind of guy that would shoot first. Right. Right. You know, he he, he wants to enact the role of, uh, you know, the diplomatic side of a gunslinger, at least at this point. And I think that, like this puts, uh, you know, a fair amount of a fair amount of temporal distance between between him and the role in that we see in Tall. Right. Where the second that he perceives that he's in danger, bullets start flying, you know, including yeah. including through Alice, right? And even when he does decide to shoot, he doesn't shoot directly at them. Like, he's still trying to scare them away, which yeah. is something that we just don't, like, it was, I remember reading this for the first time and going, like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, who, why, why is Roland not being, you know, Roland at this point? Yeah. Well, like, he, he shot to scare the dog away and he tried, he tried to do the exact same thing with, you know, with, with these mutants. And you're right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is it is very strange to see him, you know, to see him not as hardened as we will eventually get to know him, right? Yeah. But, you know, they're carrying a bunch of, like, piano legs. Like, one of them, it's remarkable, he's got a table leg that has a bunch of nails pounded through it. And he says, oh, that must be from the saloon. You know, the, the bouncer would carry this. Like, what, what the hell kind of bouncers mm-hmm. have you been around? <laughs> I hate to keep making dark holes. Pieces, but like, why are you carrying around the nail bed? <laughs> Go ahead, Al. It's there's the same thing. There's a line in there where he, when he talks about after he shoots one of them, how there's like a hissing noise. It sounds like a gob of spit on a hot stove. And I'm like, who's do, who does that? Yeah, who's spitting on the stove and like anywhere? You know, like <laughs> let me see if this stove is hot by spitting on it before I put food on it. Yeah, test it with like, your hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just pour some beer or something on it don't spit yeah. on my stove man uh, yeah um the, these it should be noted are the green ones uh these are the these are the mutants that arrived about a year ago uh they're they're green presumably from the radium mine nearby um and uh it, yeah they're they're they're, they're they're no good especially the one who gets the drop on roland again who is this guy <laughs> who uh who, who manages to uh to, to to wang him over the back of the head knocking him clean unconscious and they're surprisingly quick for mutants too this is probably the fastest group of mutants we've seen huh oh yes their name is not accurate the slow the the the, the, the slow mutants at this point um it should be noted that <laughs> that, that 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 trade that trade paperback that uh i i, I skipped over kind of by accident but i'm also glad that i did features a billy bumbler who is smart enough to yell into the ears of a slow mutant uh realizing oh the slow mutant has ears that are literally the size of dinner plates so a billy bumbler uh <laughs> 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 to slow mutant with gigantic ears that's hilarious wow. yeah <laughs> you know what screw it you guys gotta read that we're gonna come back and talk about it no let's not do that okay <laughs> 
<laughs> um, See you in an hour. Chris. So, yep. Um, no, this takes us to part two here. You know, Roland, he's been he, he's been out. He kind of awakens to this feeling of rising, right, of being lifted up. And in the you know in the small moments when he is able to open his eyes, he sees that he is surrounded by white and thinks that he is dead until he feels a hand on his on his face. Um, and he is, uh, kind of being comforted by this cool hand and also this, you know, uh, the voice of a young woman. Uh, he can't see her just yet when he does, you know, fully come to, he sees that he's in this just kind of expansive hospital infirmary hall, uh, that is lined with silk, has these silk walls. Um, you know, scores <laughs> of bed are described, scores of beds are described, but uh, all of them are empty, save for his and then the two around him. Uh, there's an old man this, in one of them and a young man in the other. Go ahead. This just sounds like a 90s music video, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> like maybe like Boys to Men, Water Runs Dry or something. Like, you know, like everyone's out there in the white outfits, the wind's blowing. Like, Ooh, yeah. It's very yeah. evocative. Until you said Boys to Men, I was thinking Creed 100%. <laughs> oh, see, this is weird. I'll I was going Creed. like Nine Inch Nails with that Closer video where Trent Reznor is just like spinning around in the air like for no reason. Ooh, yeah. A lot of uh well yeah. i mean we, we could just kind of like average all three of them that sounds exactly like what the infirmary is like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a combination of boys to men non-inch nails and cree <laughs> <Yep. laughs> <laughs> we are a version of girl talk that would never ever be booked <laughs> this is the worst this is the worst version of queens of the stone age i've ever heard of in my entire life <laughs> it's a musician's band jeremy it's a musician's band. <laughs> so, so, um, also when he comes to in this very surreal room surrounded by Scott Stapp and Trent Reznor, um, he also finds that he's wearing the gold medallion. Somebody had taken it and, and, and put it on him. Um, and you know, spoiler, it was, it was the young woman who, who, who was speaking to him. Um, and before he fades out again, he notices something strange, uh, when he first kind of looked at the old man, he saw this dark scar across across his face. When he looked at him again, he saw that the scar was gone. He initially thought, oh, that's my eyes playing tricks. But no, uh, Court came to him. He heard Court's voice saying, hey, maggot, uh, trust your eyes. You know, what? You, <laughs> it wasn't just a trick. That was you, you know, recognizing that something is amiss here. God, even, even knocked out, Court is just giving him hell just won't climb off of his dick it's it's kind of sad really. <laughs> it's just it's just like that series dexter where his dad keeps talking to him except it's court calling him a maggot all the time it's great yeah. <laughs> yep so this takes us into part three where we get to finally meet the uh the little sisters of Aluria. Um, I want to get your kind of uh, opinions on their general overall stees, these kind of shape-shifting, kindly old ladies slash crones uh, that uh, are, you know, explicitly not what they seem. Uh, Autumn, what's your what's your kind of opinion of the way uh, they either act or are presented? I I really like how quickly they're revealed to be petty like the way that they're teasing the youngest one the way that they're like oh who has a crush i mean it's very you know sitting in a tree k-i-s-s-i-n-g mm -hmm. which is i mean it's a mean-spirited kind of taunt meant to make somebody feel bad like you can tell that they're they're not nice benevolent ladies petty is a really good word for it like there there, there is a definite like maliciousness to them but 
I don't know how sexist this characterization is, but there definitely is the sense of like a bunch of crows just, you know, always Mm -hmm. just, just, just kind of like jabbering at each other and like sniping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and to, to further autumn's point, like they're also kind of jealous about this, this, this other person that we're going to meet the one that was comforting, uh, Roland just in the last chapter. So like the, the, the pettiness and the jealousness, um, and, and just the, the overall cronishness. I mean, it's just it's it's just really it's not satisfying but it's like they're terrifying and also they're petty which kind of makes them more scary too because it just <laughs> you have no idea what to expect from them right <laughs> you, you don't know if they're going to deliver some terrible truth that's going to undo you or they're going to mock your appearance <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's just, exactly. just like in your house uh the one that you were alluding to uh is 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 jenna so we should draw a distinction between jenna and the others the little sisters you know they present as nuns uh who are kind of tending to the injured they have a glamour up that kind of shows them to be these uh kind of attractive middle-aged women right you know just nuns whatever just yeah yeah here you go be be comfortable fine but roland's eyes he sees them kind of morphing back and forth and ultimately revealing their true visages uh which are very similar to Rhea of the coos uh you remember the, the the witch from book four uh you know this shriveled old woman who by the end was basically a skeletal right uh and roland in his kind of compromised recently knocked the fuck out state thinks you know oh she's back oh and there are five of them now um whereas jenna the young woman who was comforting him before she's not like cloaking anything that's just what she looks like she's almost like an initiate to this do you think that roland's better able to see it than most of the people that have ended up with the little sisters because of his experience with Rhea? like do you think to everyone else they do just look like normal nurses until you don't wake up so I'm not sure. The only evidence that we have is John, who is, you know, next to him. We get a long conversation with the the young man who is in the bed next to Roland, and he's wary of them. He knows that they're going to die here. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's because he sees it as well or if um, it's because he has watched the people who were here kind of picked off one by one. You know, waking up and, you know, noticing one more empty bed. Right. Right. So that's I'm kind of with Autumn. I kind of feel like his Roland's exposure to Rhea um, to some degree allows him to see through all of these, these kind of disguises. He's just used to this type of magic at that point. Um, And, and I think the the young kid is just, has just seen it a lot. So, cause he's, he has no, cause he's just a dude. He's just some like poor kid that got, he was mm-hmm. just on a job when he get he got trapped up into this. Yeah. Um, I'm just a regular just kid with orders, a dope man. medallion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, uh, but I, I like the idea of roland having you know learning from his experiences with Rhea and being able to apply that to other witches in, in the world yeah in, in in the text it you know it's it says something um about you know they they, they probably didn't they, they they probably didn't expect to test their uh test their illusion up against a gunslinger's eyes right so it might also have something to do with the fact that he's a gunslinger um, mm. you know, I can definitely, I can definitely read it as a characteristic of Roland's, you know, not so much as cleverness because they, uh, they, <laughs> I think it's, it's said a little, a little while ago, but I want to repeat it here. Uh, you know, that Cuthbert said, 
Roland's Roland's mind doesn't turn especially quickly, but it does grind very finely, right? So um, it, mm-hmm. it may it may or may not be a product of that. Uh, I just I can't say for certain. Can't say for certain. I, I want to you know side with you guys. I want to, but you know the forces that be are making me take the opposite. So let's fight. <laughs> <laughs> the high council that judges all dark tower podcasts may come down and give you the wrong ruling give you a different ruling <laughs> yep oh no <laughs> they're gonna exactly. send me that, a... that'll be the itunes review not contrary enough oh yeah it is a... why, why don't they always agree with each other oh well exactly <laughs> ah, the worst i was expecting a fight but you know they're they're, they're standing around you know taking uh, taking these swipes um Jenna, meanwhile, stays behind as they as, as as they move along, and kind of reveals more about the nature of Roland's imprisonment. Right? Uh, you know, she. <laughs> I, I forgot to note when I was talking about it. Jenna has this curl of hair that always pops out from under her nun hat. It's it's named in the book, but I didn't make a note of it. <laughs> but uh, she stays behind because obviously she's got a thing for him because it's Roland and all women should have a thing for him. Um, he is the Geralt of the of Dark Tower books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she says, hey, and no matter what, you need to keep that medallion on. Also, never let on that it's not yours. Right. You know, you, you, you are James. You know, who? Uh, yeah, you're James. Uh, who am I? Don't worry, you're James. Um, but she also reveals that you know the reason he he was here. Those slow mutants they started dragging him uh, back to where they were going to eventually take him and probably chop him up and eat him or whatever. And in the process, all the skin was ripped from his back. And so you know, the 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 little sisters they 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 were out picking herbs. They saw the the, the mutants and they made they made their deal and took them back. And then we get to meet the doctors. I love the doctors Same. <laughs> because she, she starts talking about like, Oh, you know, like Roland asked about the nature, the, the nature of their sect. Like, Oh, do you worship the man Jesus? Like, what's the deal? You know, we, we are, we, we, we're, we're the little sisters of Valeria. We, we, we serve the doctors. She says, Hey, don't, don't scream. And Roland's like, Oh, I haven't screamed in a long time. Like he's pulling off this. He's trying to play it off macho. Right. Uh, and he finds out I probably shouldn't have done that because this actually is freaky. She has these bells on her forehead, these kind of dark bells, um, that ring out, not just in sound, but also kind of reverberate psychically on these bugs start crawling out just a whole, whole bunch of them. Um, they're about twice the size of ants. You know, they're, they're, they're these little black bugs that crawl up and kind of roost on his back. Earlier, he characterized kind of the pain in his back as this tree that was growing up his spine, and it felt like he could feel the leaves moving. Well, that movement was the bugs because they're up there eating the eating the injured flesh and kind of ushering on the repair. So, Ugh. hi, I'm Doctor Bugs. <laughs> yeah, just just put me down. Yep. <laughs> yeah, don't. Doctor, I do not. I refuse this treatment. I know I could live forever with it, but I, I just re- absolutely refuse all of this treatment. I don't do not like it. And I, I feel like everybody has a bug that they could take. Like if it was ants, I'd probably be fine. I mean, as long right. as they weren't actually eating me. But I mean, if it was cockroaches, if it was spiders, like just put me down. 
No, no. I picture them. I picture them as those scarab, like yeah, the scarab beetles from the mummy, the ones that crawled under the skin. The, the mummy is not a very great That's movie. Fair. It's also not especially scary, but those bugs. They ruined me as a kid. So that's yeah. what I picture them as. Jeremy, what do you picture them as? Uh, um, I know I'm playing to type here, and I'm going to have something else. To, I'm, I'm just going to keep referencing Dark Souls and <laughs> Dark Souls video games. But uh, do you remember the spiders in Bloodborne with the with the human faces? Absolutely. Like that. I don't, I don't know why, but that, that's the the first thing that popped into my brain was uh, just a bunch of spiders with like weird like bowl cut haircuts and and human faces going everywhere. And it, it doesn't say that at all in the book. So, but this is when I was reading it yesterday um, to kind of get familiar with it again for the podcast. That was exactly what popped in my mind, and I hated it. <laughs> I, just a bunch of little just a bunch of little spider patches all over my body, and I, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, did they have little like stethoscopes and those little reflectors? on their foreheads <laughs> of course yeah they, they're they're fully they're fully equipped they're ready to, to, to check you out yeah they, they they just like they just like rush in and then like a like a couple more of them pull in this like computer on a cart and then they you know, they, they sit they sit at yeah. the other end of the room don't really make eye contact with you and just like type stuff into it as they vaguely ask questions about what's wrong with you then they write you a prescription then they, they make leave you- the room yeah they make you take off your shirt even though you're just there for some leg pain? That doesn't make any sense. Why, why do I have to take off my shirt? Yeah, you only have to have a full range of motion. <laughs> what do you need to escape? Jeremy's like, can I stop flexing now? Thank you. <laughs> I've been sucking in for like, like 20 minutes. Can we get this over with already? Do, do you have a bottle of courtesy oil for my pecs? Um <laughs> <laughs> Roland is horrified. He manages to stifle back a scream, but that's kind of that, that. That's kind of the deal. Um, we 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 learn by hearing those little sisters speak in this in this low tongue that was introduced in uh, in, in desperation and will continue to be used as kind of the uh, the, the the language of demons and for low things. Uh, these are the Cantam, is what they are, and they're going to make some appearances uh, later on. Um, specifically at the end of book six and the beginning of book seven. So stick a pin in these doctor bugs. Oh, um, good. <laughs> yeah. So happy you know, to hear it, that. It, it's not exactly like Klingon or Valyrian or anything like that, but Stephen King does do a good job with all these little um, words, like the ones that we saw in Desperation and everything. I mean, it does sound like, like a cohesive sort of tower-related language. It certainly does, and I think that that's that that's it's especially successful because he does a good job at keeping it guttural and kind of single uh, single syllable, right? So he's got you know yeah. the, the 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 high speech with you know excellent words like "ca" and dumb words like 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 "popkin," uh, but then this low speech that we're going to be seeing a lot of in the in the final trilogy um, that 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 does share these kind of characteristics, and I think that it's. And not not easy, but I think effective to make something that does feel that that does feel demonic out of it. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. But yeah, <laughs> they're, they're up there gnawing on his uh, on his back flesh. Uh, Jenna kind of reveals she was taken away by her mom, but brought back because neither of them could stay away for long. And Jenna, she wants nothing more to do with these women or with this whole situation. And she makes Roland promise, you know, hey, uh, also she knows Roland's real name. She knows he's not James. You know, ma- ma- makes makes him promise, you know, don't don't reveal what I've what, what what I've shared. You know, you're like, 
I will be in trouble, and Roland correctly intuits that trouble means dead. Yeah, there's no there's no getting out of this alive. This is like the mafia, but for yes. weird witch crones with doctor bugs. <laughs> does 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 Roland ever meet a cute young girl that doesn't ask him to immediately keep a secret? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is this is very yet. Susan, you know. Yeah. Hey, when you see me at dinner with the mayor of this crappy town, pretend we've never met. <laughs> yep. Man, nobody wants to take. Well, I guess I guess Susan didn't have parents to take him back to. Never mind. That was insensitive to that fictional character. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I got so confused about that. Has a type. He does. Oh, so we're on to part four here. The nurses. Um, they then start bringing him some chicken soup. I about said chicken soup for the soul. Um, hey guys, I'm grieving. Uh, no, <laughs> brought him some chicken soup, uh, which which he quickly realizes uh, has been has been drugged. You know, not only does it have a uh, no pain medicine in it, it has a no move medicine in it. That's almost an exact quote from the book. Um, it saps him exactly. of strength. It's just a whole thing of Nyquil. Yep. Oh gosh, <laughs> turns your limbs into lead. Whole bottle. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, it saps him of his strength, and it kind of keeps him from being able to move, from being uh, from being able to kind of get out. We didn't really describe. We 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 mentioned the room. Roland isn't laying on the bed. Um, in fact, he and everybody else they're kind of being suspended by these like cotton cloth straps, like a harness almost. Basically, the 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 doctor bugs are crawling all, all over them while they sit in fuck swings. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> So, <laughs> I, I, I didn't look it up, but this is somebody's thing, right? Like, this has oh. got to be like somebody read this and was like, oh, finally, I finally found somebody who shares my, well, my thing. And it's, it's Stephen King in this one short story. Yeah. Well, just the way those nurses have complete have complete control over your fate, you know, it's so I mean, it's scary. It's 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 very scary. And I think that like what I'm what I'm not really alluding to here is the fact that Roland is trapped. Right. The idea of being mm -hmm. basically. <laughs> The idea of a of a medical professional using their clout and their kind of ability to sedate you or keep you in a place um, is some of the most effective horror that I can think of. Really, I'm yeah, that's, I'm that's also why I'm pretending in, so well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also pretending in my head that Roland is basically dressed in that same white bandage outfit as Lilu from Fifth Element. Mm. You know? Oh yeah, uh, leaves <laughs> yeah. nothing to Roland's the imagination. Just got those, those gauze little bandages on—that's his whole outfit. <laughs> Man, it's been forever since I thought of the fifth—the fifth element. Hmm. I wonder if that holds up. It does. I'll say that. Okay. I, I, I've watched it relatively recently because I had to uh, wash my mouth, wash out my uh, my head from the Valerian movie that that dude made. That was so Good terrible. Enough. I was like, let me go check out the Fifth Element again, and I I, I still like that movie a whole lot. So. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I heard that Valerian movie was not very good. Um, but yeah, I remember the fifth, uh, fifth Element being just goofy and campy enough that like basically nothing about the production or writing would matter. That like it could get by on that goofiness, right? Exactly. That's a fair. Yeah. I mean, it gets a little. It, yeah, it gets a little dumb at the end. But but I mean, like most sci-fi movies get a little dumb at the oh, end. No. So I'll forgive it that. Yeah. Um, so yes, this is an extremely scary and or hot situation. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's what i like to call the duck feed special right there it's either extremely scary or extremely hot <laughs> either um so 
<laughs> um, but uh, the young man next to Roland has come too. This is uh, this is John. Um, you know, and Roland has has spotted that he wears a medallion that is identical to the one that he has, and he's able to discern, you know, based on his appearance in the medallion, like, oh, John is James's brother, and he breaks the news, saying, like, hey, um, you probably understand why I have this medallion. The reason that John is here, the reason that James is dead, um, is that they were hired, they were working as a scout um, <laughs> for this party of guards, uh, kind of uh, taking care of the shipment of goods. But they were attacked by those slow mutants as they passed Aluria. Uh, a bunch of them ended up being taken by the little sisters. Uh, but, you know, James was left behind because he was dead. There's nothing the Dr. Bugs could do. He's a, <laughs> I'm a Dr. Bugs. I'm not a miracle worker. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not miracle bugs. <laughs> You're going to have to go to Dr. Bugs' house if you want miracles. Yes. Um, so... Um, also, they're this little kind of uh, maybe gratuitous connection, but I appreciated it. They were talking. One of the other scouts was from Delane, also known as the Dragon's Den or the Land of Lies. You remember Delane oh, yeah. from the Eyes of the Dragon? Yep, the Land of Tall Tales, they called it too, which I thought was a cute little... I mean, he's, he's given a lot of fan service in this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like Delane enough, too. Um, and Delane has been mentioned before. You know, Roland was traveling near Delane when he saw the... Uh, when he saw the brothers, all that mm -hmm. good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so a nurse comes in and starts getting cranky. Uh, that Roland's story doesn't really add up. And she starts trying to test his name. But John butts in and says, uh, <laughs> he does this real, like, he, he about gets them both killed. Because as he's, as Roland is, like, reaching for the name, he says, well, <laughs> you, you expect him not to remember something as simple as John Norton? Wink, wink, my buddy who is definitely named James. <laughs> Here's also my Gilead social security number. Yeah. <laughs> and a list of my greatest fears and turn-ons. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no dice for these poor little sisters, but they're going to feed. Tonight, Roland wakes up. And uh, uh, here's this giggling sound as the little sisters, along with a stranger who he doesn't recognize, this uh, Sister Mary is her name, uh, feeding on the old man who has been unconscious this entire time. Um, this is fucking scary. Oh, yeah. Because they are surrounding him and Roland describes their appearance like, you know, their teeth are growing jagged, you know, beyond their lips. And they are just straight up going to town and not only that after they're done they decide well we want a little bit of dessert and so sister mary comes over and manipulates his genitals with his hands she jacks roland off um and then all, all of the all of the monsters share roland's product not the first time in a stephen king short story we've seen somebody scraping stuff off sheets and eating it yep which which short story are you referring to? Um, the <laughs> one. Oh man, it's bad. <laughs> uh, dedica dedication, right? The one where mm. the the maid is in that writer's room and steals his dirty sheets yeah. or whatever. 
Yeah, she can't stop herself from um, eating dried cum off of sheets. Okay. So she just she just continually eats it, and I believe she will, and somehow ends up pregnant by uh, like a writer who stays at this particular hotel, and she doesn't really understand how she did because, you know, that shouldn't work that way, and things get <clears throat> things get weirder from there if you can believe it. So this is definitely like a a thing with Stephen King. Like it's 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 weird underage sex relationships, and then also like eating people's cum in, in inappropriate places. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was in uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Okay. Okay. So the, I thought that, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't one hundred percent sure. Yeah. That, that that is like the one of the 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 one collection of his that I haven't at least like poked through. So, um, weirdly enough, you haven't <laughs> dissuaded me because that sounds fucked up enough for me to be entertained by it. <laughs> I was about to say, are you ready to poke through it now, Cole? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. Ugh. But you know, like I, I looked at this and I think, okay, yeah, this is this is good. This is mixing sex with horror and also, I don't know, like vampires. They eat one bodily fluid for power. Why wouldn't they delight in the other one of the other ones? Yeah, or even if if not if not delight, then just use it as a as a fear tool. Like use it to scare the scare their 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 prey. Yes, you know, vampires like it when they like it when they're you know people that they eat are a little bit scared it you know it it toughens up the blood or, or whatever <laughs> he, they call it and so he, he didn't scream about the bugs what else can we try next <laughs> it, has to, it has to be terror sweat it has to be terror sweat yeah no adre- adre- <laughs> it's, i mean it's a known fact uh, adrenaline adds a certain umami flavor um to <laughs> the uh to it says basically it's basically vampire msg um sure i'm, in, I'm into that <laughs> little accent seasoning yeah <laughs> just 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 throw some mrs dash on that bad boy um <laughs> sorry um, roland happened to like roland happened to like kind of hide the fact that he's watching um these these women eat the the old man and he's kind of horrified by it is the is maybe the second time in the short story that roland was kind of mentally preparing himself for something and thinking that he was strong enough to do it and then not and not definitely was not able to, <laughs> to oh yeah i mean obviously he, he withstood it, but he just he would he didn't realize it was going to affect him as much as it did, which I find really interesting. Like this is a cool time period in Roland's life where he's not the big badass that we that we know from the future books, and he's not even like the kind of blessed by destiny child that he was in the in the prologue sequence of Wizards and Glass. So for sure, yeah. No, like it, it's it's him not just making mistakes because of how dire the situation is. Anyway, the situation's pretty dire, right? Uh, but because of his, um, but because of his just kind of, let's say immature resolve or just, um, he hasn't seen everything yet. Basically he thinks exactly. he has, he thinks he has, but not so much at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So Roland wakes up and when he looks over, there's no sign that the man was even there. I think it's described that, um, either when the old man dies or when, when John dies, you know, it's like that bed could have been empty for a hundred years. Uh, which is a little bit of a small clue about the nature of things right now. By this point, Roland's wounds are healed, but he is still yeah, incapacitated, right? Uh, and either, I think, with the conversation with Jenna or with uh, the conversation with, uh, with, with John, Roland has realized that the thing that has kept both of them safe, the only reason that they were not last night's meal, is you know the fact that they are both wearing these medallions, John isn't sure if it's the gold or the God that is keeping them away. Um, but there's obviously um, some kind of aversion, right? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, Roland feels something under his pillow 
and uh, determines that, uh, uh, oh gosh, Jenna had left him a note along with this bundle of reeds, basically saying, hey, nibble on these once an hour to get your strength back. Uh, be sure to be like super careful, though, because um, any more than that and you get uh, cramps, convulsion and then death. <laughs> I love that it's the flower of the crystal methamphetamine plant that only grows in Illyria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I just hate the idea of getting cramps while you're bedridden. Jesus. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that at all. No, no. But it's, I mean, it's a little bit scary when he uses it as advised, right? Because he feels like enervated almost like he gets, uh, his heart races and his, uh, his muscles not up. Like it's, it's hard for him when the sisters come in to even hide the fact that he's uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> he could just chew up a little more, pop up out of the bandages and go outside and turn over a police wagon or something. <laughs> yep. Oh man. <laughs> um, how does this one taste? Well, I'm not afraid of cops anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> definitely not afraid of the police right now <laughs> so, um you know he's, he's got that and you know slowly over the course of the next couple of days he is going he's going to use that but this is where sister mary comes in and confronts roland right you know just pushing him to reveal you know his real identity um you know, and also to take off the medallion. I like the tricks that they use for this. And again, like their characterization remains petty, you know, to the point where she's like, oh, that useless thing. Or, you know, do you think, do you think it's keeping you safe? Uh, they also try and say like, oh, um, <laughs> oh no, it's after John dies. So like, oh, he took it off. He thought that it was part of his sickness. Yeah. Good, good try ladies. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, you, you guys may be drugging me with the, with the slow down drug or whatever you call it, but I'm, you know, I'm still here. I'm still yeah. not an idiot. Yeah. I don't know. I heard some, I heard some girls on the schoolyard say that medallion made you look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that medallion is making you look really heavy, Roland. It's not flattering. Yeah. It's real. It's a real kind of wide. It's terrible for the line of your body, Roland. I, it's you know exactly your name is in horizontal stripes it's not good (laughs) no nobody you know nobody will say this to you but i will be a true friend to you you gotta ditch the medallion rollins (laughs) yeah you have a little medallion in your teeth (laughs) oh my gosh roland put in this grill it'll keep the vampires away (laughs) (laughs) oh man i want the 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 next reincarnation of blade the vampire hunter to be just wearing a a complete gold grill with crosses in it man that would be the the raddest thing ever Uh, it would be it would be very much he couldn't get punched in the face anymore nope well true yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but in this negotiation and as she you know tries to get roland to admit that he is not in fact james um she starts using jenna as leverage saying that, oh, she has been sent to the Thoughtful Room, kind of this exile uh, for, the, uh, for, the, for, for the little sisters uh, who have not been doing their meditations long enough. Um, so basically they realize, hey, we can't harm you physically, but we can, we can harm somebody you love. It, it's really interesting, the breakout on this, because obviously she wears the dark bells, so she's, I think they say at one point, she's almost more like she's royalty, like she's a princess, but because of her age... And I guess status by being brought out by her mother and brought back in. I mean, she's obviously the lowest on the totem pole and they have authority over her. So it's just it's an interesting little um, power dynamic. Yeah. What you're what you're alluding to is almost the fact that there's like a resentment 
uh, this information that I, f- I forget when it was exposed. I have it. I have it marked later. Um, uh, but, uh, what, what is eventually exposed is like, yeah, her mother took her away when she was young, but they had to come back and through some kind of trial or, or some kind of ritual, she was rewarded with these dark bells. We're going to see what these dark bells do. Um, all of them have these bells kind of on their, you know, tiara, their headpiece or their, or their nun hat, as I referred to it before, but this confers almost some kind of like ceremonial status, but not really any real authority or clout within the group. Yeah. Yeah. So of all the, you know, they, they have many reasons to resent Jenna. Um, and that is that, that, that is, but one of many, um, Roland goes under again and he only comes up when he hears a stranger enter the room. Uh, and back into the scene is one of our slow mutants, uh, from the town and his name is Ralph. (laughs) Of course it is. Uh, You know, I I was (laughs) I was going to bring this up a little bit later when we were talking about uh, Jenna at the end, but uh, Jenna seems like a very anachronistic name to me. And I know it's, it's, it's a fantasy novel. Like there is no such thing as like what names were popular back then or, or whatever. But um, Jenna just seems like such a, such a nineties or a two thousands name to me that I can't, I can't get over this, you know, weird vampire nun chick being named Jenna and this other dude who's a green mutant just called Ralph. Like it's just, (laughs) it's so weird to me. Yeah. Yeah, I I hear Jenna and I think of Jenna from Thirty Rock, so it's very hard for me to. It, I've, I'm in kind of a similar situation. I'm glad you pointed that out. <laughs> a, yeah, attention, I'll... fives at ten is ringing your bells. <laughs> 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 and my last job, I, I literally had three uh, three women named Jenna working for me at one time. So <sighs> like at, at the same time, so it was it was kind of ridiculous. That's, whole situation that is so confusing i know this is, it's, it's a little bit like the birthday problem right if you if you're in a room with like 20 people you're gonna share a birthday with somebody mm-hmm. like uh, there's the a weird way statistics work out at, the, at my last job you know the last job that i had uh there were like seven chris's four josh's and then before i left i should have known this is when they're going to replace me um <laughs> somebody was hired into the into the marketing department whose name was cole and it was spelled the exact same way no oh, nice. i know it was so eerie. Oh, I that hate best. that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Nicole. I believe you got a single white email. They're just now hearing about it. <laughs> I just got, I got single white. Sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yep, that that is... <laughs> I didn't expect that reference. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, Roland goes under again. Here's the stranger. Ralph comes in. Hi, I'm Ralph. I'm a mutant. Um, I am paid in tobacco and whiskey. Um, <laughs> and they brought him in almost kind of to be a Shabbos goy, you know, to operate the elevator buttons, except this time it is, you know, somebody who has not, uh, who has not made their covenant to, uh, you know, to, to, to take off these, to take off these, these necklaces. But Ralph, Ralph knows that, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to be legit with him. So he thinks, Hey, I've got to get out of the situation. Um, so I'm going to instead tear open John's throat and in the resultant feeding frenzy over the spray, I'm going to beat my escape. Proving that, uh, even though you're green, it, you can still have a few smarts left in you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to, you, you have to learn to be adaptable. You know, you just uh, sure. develop these extra, uh, these extra compensatory muscles because I hear it is not easy being green. 
Is radium actually a mental superfood? Should I be checking this out and adding it to my supplementation regimen? I think so. And you know what? There are a lot of people who get it for free, and it's unfair. <laughs> it's it's totally unfair. Yeah. yeah. Just because they live in the radium mountains. <sighs> Gross. <laughs> um, but yes, poor John. the uh, The medallion, his medallion, is thrown across the room as they uh, as they all go into go into their frenzy. It is it is no good for anybody as we round into the very final leg of the story. Jenna comes in uh, to roll in the next day, and she's not in her habit. Instead, she is dressed in these traveling clothes. You know, got a got a plaid shirt on, got jeans. We are going to roll. She also brings his gunna and his guns too. Um, mm -hmm. That's part of the reason why they knew that he wasn't all that he said he was because he is carrying these gunslingers' guns. Um, so he could not be this basically gun for hire, right? He could not. He could not be James. If you're carrying around gunslinger gunslinger guns, your name is not James or Jenna or Ralph. No, <laughs> it's, no. it's Roland or Arthur or you know Guinevere. If you're a lady, maybe I don't. I don't know, but it's yeah. definitely not Ralph or Jenna. No, no, three, three syllable minimum. So you don't think anyone ever called Roland's dad Big Steve of? Um... <laughs> Steve DeShane King, King, King Steve, the prequel to King Ralph <laughs> mm, Didn't expect that connection to be made uh, So uh, This is this I think Or around here is where we learn more of the specifics About, you know, the fact that Jenna is this kind of royalty But never really fit in She wants to go, right? But also she confesses that You know, she's not exactly human She is, you know, she she has dined with them She has supped with them and even though she is terrified of what might happen if they leave, it can't, they, 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 this can't go on. And this is when uh, Sister Kokina, or Kosina, um, comes out uh, to confront them. The only reason I say Kosina, even though that is, that is definitely Spanish for kitchen, that's how they said it in the audiobook version of this. However, the audiobook version, it's the only one where somebody made the decision to voice Roland kind of with this cowboy drawl. Oh, uh, no. no, that's not the way he mm. talks at all. Um, so who knows how? Uh, who, who who knows how trustworthy that is? That is also one of those audiobooks that has like weird little like musical interstitials at the beginning of different chapters and things. And okay. they're 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 different. <laughs> they're different. Like it's a different style for every story. So like this one has like a western theme. I think that I think that he he heard gunslinger. And saw he was in a, in a desert and thought that Roland would sound like fucking John Wayne. <laughs> he just looked at the cover art and was like, I got this. Yeah, <laughs> I can roll. <laughs> oh, but Sister Coquina is like, hey, you're not going to leave because you know what will happen. Um, and Jenna says, well, fuck you. I've got the dark bells and let me show you what I can do. She shakes them harder than they've ever been shaken before. And Roland says that if a battalion of bugs came out to uh, gnaw on his back, well, a whole army came out to uh, to take Sister Coquina down, um, you know, swarming over the beds, basically blackening every surface as they overrun, um, you know, this little sister and reduce her to nothing. 
I really, really like this. I mean, it's the same as it is with a lot of medications. You know, a little bit will help you. A lot of bit will kill you. I mean, <laughs> I, I like that the doctors can be used for healing and for just straight out murdering grave witches. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 the dose that makes the poison, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like uh, like 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 one one dog is a pet. Um, fifty dogs is a is a is a problem you need to deal with immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What were you gonna say, Jeremy? Oh, I just I wanted to agree with Autumn that I really like this too. Like, uh, the fact that she can control this and it just was with these dark bells just like works for my inner fantasy nerd I, to to an absurd degree. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's especially grim once we realize how these bugs fit into the ecosystem, right? Into the dungeon ecology of this traveling camp. Um, and it is a traveling camp. As they escape, Roland realizes um, that this hospital was an illusion. It wasn't like a, a grand pavilion. No, in reality, it was like this dingy red cross tent um, with a couple of cots in it, right? Um, they like they, they specifically allude to the red cross on the top of it. Um, so I like that again, that little crossover there. Uh, oh, I love the the traveling evil just in general. I mean, we see that in needful things. We see that with Randall Flagg in the stand. I mean, the fact that evil packs up shop and moves from town to town causing chaos. I mean, same with Eyes of the Dragon. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. Well, you know, Roland said, uh, you know, he knows a couple of towns in the area. He says, well, now, now they're the little sisters of Illyria, but next, next week they're going to be the little sisters of Tejas. They're going to be the little sisters of so-and-so. Like they, they go from town to town, basically clearing them out and feeding on them while under the guise, you know, of, of, of being religious. Um, and in my head, I keep on making kind of a link or a comparison between them and Sylvia. Remember Sylvia from from Tall, right? Yeah. Just the fact mm -hmm. that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, and I'm I'm sure that they took the tent to what, like Ogdenville, Brockway, and North Haverbrook too, right? <laughs> it really took them off the map. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I <laughs> on the drive between here and Milwaukee, you cross. I think you pass a town called uh, Ogdenville or something really similar to it. I made a point to pull over and take a photo of that. Uh, take a photo of the nice. sign and uh, send it to my brother. <laughs> we have whole conversations that are just the monorail episode from the Simpsons. <laughs> um, but yes, Jenna has remembered uh, to pick up John's medallion. And this is a little bit heartbreaking, right? Because Roland and understanding that she is different, he, he might have entertained the, the notion that Jenna would not be you know subject to the same kind of limitations or curse or covenant or whatever but that is quickly dispelled when he sees that even contact with this has charred her hands right and yeah. he he kisses the so, wounds good i was gonna say so she's 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 different because she's helping him escape but she's not different enough to obviously get away from this curse or, or whatever that it is right so if they go away, she will eventually need to feed or, you know, who who knows what this what this will bring. And part of the terror that Jenna's facing, you know, is the fact that she doesn't really know. You know, she was a young girl when she was taken away before. Obviously, she was brought back for a reason. You know, her mom wouldn't have delivered her into the shark's mouth like that, you know, for for, for, for no good cause. Uh, but even the other little sisters are not 
clear you know they, they 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 say like you're walking into the unknown like you know something terrible will happen but not exactly what um so that the, there is this tragedy to it even though they have this connection and she wants to travel you know she wants to share roland's path it it, it kind of can't be and we we realize that right now and we see how that manifests you know later on at the very end of the story as roland is kissing you know the the, the burn marks on her hand Sister Mary emerges. You know, she is just completely distraught that one of her sisters is is gone, has been taken by the doctor bugs, and she is taunting them, basically knowing that they are out of range of the uh of the uh, of the bugs, of the can something or other. Uh you know, the can tam. There we are. Can tam, um, yeah, yeah. Yes. And so they uh <laughs> it's it's time for a showdown. You know, it's a, it's a, not all of us are gonna walk away from this, right? Yeah, um, I mean, it's a Steve King Western, so somebody has to die at the end. Yes. And so, like, hey, Jenna, return. <laughs> Roland, he has drawn his gun without without really realizing uh, that he has drawn it. And Mary taunts him, saying, oh, that won't do any good for me unless you have dipped it in either holy water or sacred blood or sacred semen. Um, I'm more shade than flesh. Right? So he says, all right, I'm going to gouge your eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> um what what do you guys think of that description of him rushing at her and grabbing onto her face and being horrified that her skin kind of ran and got soupy around oh yeah around him? oh man yeah. it's so gross yeah because at this point all the glamour's away and mary's the furthest gone of all she is described as a as a walking corpse in a uh in, in, a, in a funeral shroud Oof. <laughs> yeah that's that's that some kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but that's not enough. Roland alone cannot do this. But hey, remember when I mentioned Schrodinger's pup earlier? Yeah, Chekhov's dog. <laughs> yeah, not Sch- Schrodinger's pup. Yeah, Chekhov's dog. There we go. Um, it, it either is or isn't a dog. No, um, the dog introduced in the first act appears in the third uh, to finish the job. Basically, he's described as the shadowy creature who, you know, leaps out and starts devouring uh, Sister Mary, this is the dog uh, who has the cross on his chest because of the holy symbol. He is actually able to to harm her, and Roland and Jenna make their escape. Um, you know, while she is, I was about to say, while she is distracted. No, while she is dying. Yeah, while she's been eaten by a <laughs> literal Deus Ex Canina or whatever you, the, <laughs> the word canine is in Latin. <laughs> I, I think this is probably. I like this. I like the short story a lot. Um, I think it's very spooky. The uh, the dog with cross the fur cross around his neck being the the thing that saves the day is some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Like yeah. this is ridiculous. Well, especially with what, and I, I won't get too far in the weeds since we'll be talking about this on Salem's lot in the future. But I, I mean, the dog must have a lot of swagger in there to have a lot of belief in that cross, huh? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> not mm, mm, i didn't even think about that yeah you're absolutely mm, mm. so uh, this is a dog who was very he was very firm in the conviction of his belief let's say <laughs> he, he's like every time i roll up to someone and show him my chest i can do what i want yep <laughs> so... all the belief i need rough rough <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, they, they go away before this dog, which, you know, that's a real unpredictable actor. It has the taste for both human flesh and vampire flesh, which puts, puts both Roland and Jenna 
Um, at risk. <laughs> they go away. Um, and we get to the ending of this, which is which is pretty sad, but also bizarre in a way that is hard to it, it, it is hard to reconcile. It's hard for it to land as much as I think Stephen King wants it to. Um, I appreciate this more as kind of like a huh, curiosity than I do as like a something that's supposed to be romantically poignant. Because, you know, they, they, they escape, they're walking, they're running through this field of sage. You know, they finally get far enough away. They, 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 they stop. You know, she says, well, you kiss me as a, as a man kisses a woman. And Roland recognizes, you know, this is the first time he has felt love for somebody since, since Susan, which is notable and important, right? Like in book five, Eddie, you know, they're, they're talking about it. Roland says there was really only one woman after, after Su Susan. Um, and this is it. Jen, Jen, Jen is it. Um, <laughs> and so they go asleep surrounded by the purple smell of this sage. And when Roland wakes up, she, she, she is gone. The line that describes what happens makes a little bit of sense, you know, recognizing that Roland says, you know, such as them might never die, but they might change. Jen has apparently been raptured. Uh, her clothes are laying there. In fact, like stuff is still tucked in. It's almost just like she disappeared while her clothes remained and surrounding them and the you know, surrounding him rather. In the field are these bugs, you know, the, again, the bugs singing the same song that the doctor bugs sang, the same, the same cricket sound that he heard in Illyria. Um, oh, I, th I thought she was just a big old bag of bugs. It turned out and he had fallen in love with a bag of bugs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we've all been there, right, Cole? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> high school girlfriends I'm, I'm two, joking. four, and six. <laughs> no, I, I, I really thought that's why all the bugs were around. Is she was giving him one last look since she was just a whole bunch of bugs? Oh, <laughs> and that that's why the old woman's skin was moving under her. Is she was also you know like her face and was melting and everything. I thought right. she was just a whole bag of bugs too. Okay. I I'll be honest, I also had that read on this as well. I thought she turned into a big a big a big old thing. I thought she went back and joined the Cantana basically as uh, bugs that were used to be in a human form. But right. I, I you really can say big old no bag idea. of bugs. <laughs> big old big old bag of bugs. No, so sure. um, I, I I agree with you too. I, I I definitely believe that 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 is what happened. H however, I don't think that she was bugs all. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't bugs all along. Uh, God, all the way down. <laughs> yeah. uh, she, she she wasn't bugs all along. In, instead, the Cantam were kind of the final, the like the final life cycle of just, uh, of these vampires, right? You just don't want to think about Roland doing that romantic smoosh on that bag of bugs. No, it's fine. It's it's definitely like we're Roland fucks demons. Like it's it's a okay. Roland, <laughs> I am not going to be. I'm not going to look aside at uh. At, yeah, don't at don't bug shame. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to bug shame if Roland if Roland can kiss. If Roland wants to kiss, um, but I definitely I definitely saw it as wow. Uh, wow. Thanks for the permission, Cole. <laughs> what? <laughs> why? Why did the bugs make the letter C? I didn't get that at all. Um, it's it's a uh, it's, it's described. So they make the letter C. Um, he thinks that it's the letter C, you know, the like the letter in the high speech. But in uh, in reality, it's it's the the shape of the curl of hair 
that keeps on popping out. Oh. That, that, that's why I made a point of mentioning that earlier in the in the description. Like normally that would be like a little de- a detail that I skip over, but like that's how that's how the bugs are communicating. Like her consciousness, like, she she should no longer have any of those memories. You know, once the one becomes many. Um, but there is something about her connection to Roland that has her not only talking to him by making shapes, basically talking to her the way that uh, you know people in like stadiums will hold up cards, um, but um, but uh, also singing his name or singing something that sounds similar to Roland yeah. Lowenstein Lowenstein. Um, yeah. Now I'm all bummed out. That's really sad. I know, right? <laughs> So maybe it does land. It's just, again, the fact that she, you know, it, it, whether or not she was a big bag of bugs all along, the fact that she turned, <laughs> the fact that at one point she went from young woman who loved Roland to millions of bugs who loved Roland uh, <laughs> is, uh, is, is a bit of a bummer. You you can't take one bug and put it in your knapsack, Roland, and just carry the bug around with you. Wouldn't the bug like to see the tower too? I mean, forget romanticism. Just from a practical point of view, like having some of these boys around to like mend your wounds seems like it'd be a very, a very hi. This is my girlfriend. She's a bag of bugs, and she heals me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put, pick up the bells, put them in your bag. Mm-hmm. My my name is Scott Summers, and I'm with the X Men. And this is my bug, my girlfriend, full of bugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it, what about bugs <laughs> when i'm when, 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 when somebody wants to psychically attack me they send me to the black bug room and when i'm feeling mm-hmm. horny i go to the bug the room. room the girl bug, my, <laughs> the jenna bug room i just i just wanted to let people understand i wanted to signal that i know what the black bug room is is that so much to ask nope nope <laughs> so <laughs> And and that's that's where this ends. Roland continues to walk. Eventually, he'll find a horse, dot, 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 or a mule, um, you know, like he has at the beginning of Gunslinger. I can swear that he still hears the bugs singing his name, but it ends on this really melancholy note that Roland is walking on quite alone. <sighs> Poor Roland. I know. I'm I'm a wreck over here. <laughs> it's it's a bummer it sucks i mean he's he's got a type and it's girls that die within like just like a couple weeks of meeting him right yeah i mean it's getting faster with susan at least you know they got to experience sexual intercourse like a few hundred times before she died like this was just one kiss and then she was dead so yeah. like the next time that he you know sees a woman in a library he's like hey you're cute and she's just going to instantly <laughs> fall over with a heart attack <laughs> yep and then turn into a swarm of mosquitoes and fly out the window I I did wonder why Roland just fell asleep. He was like, "Wow, I sure am interested." And no, I'm just gonna go to sleep. I mean, he was pretty sick. I mean, he did get beaten up by those mutants and drugged all that time. Like, I mean, right. you know, I, I get it, but I, I was kind of like, "Man, you couldn't have... come on, Roland." The, the, <laughs> like, like at a certain point, that's that. I mean, he he definitely could have sealed the deal. Um, but uh, I think I think that's addressed. Like, he's what he as they're as they're making their escape, they only get like five or six miles, and it's not because of her. It's because of him, because he, you know, no matter how many uh, get up and go reads she gave him, uh, he was he was definitely still uh, doped as fuck. I really thought you were going to do the uh, this the Aerosmith thing. No matter no matter how many get up and go songs she gave him, he had, he just kept get, he just got up and went. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So so I think he was I think he was tuckered out. I think he was a real sleepy boy. Um, 
And when he came to, she was gone. Um, <gasps> so I hope everybody was um, real excited about meeting all these vampires. Um, vampires who are, mm-hmm. again, pretty similar to the ones we're going to see in Salem's Lot next episode. But also vampires are going to factor very heavily into the last trilogy of the book. Um, I want to throw it to you two, um, starting with Autumn. Kind of final thoughts on the short story, especially because this was your first time reading it. I I loved it. I mean, I, I think he says it in a little uh, clip introducing it in the book that he means it to stand alone and be appealing to fans. And I, I think he nailed it. I mean, there's a there's a line at the beginning where he kind of thinks to himself when the, the mutants are beating him up, like, surely, you know, my my Ka isn't going to leave me out here like this, beaten to death in a town. And everyone who's already read it is like, ooh, I know it won't, Roland. Ooh, I know you're going somewhere else. Yeah, but um, it's it's really good fan service. I mean, just even at the end when he's like, "Well, maybe he'll find a mule eventually," but for right now, he'll walk. I mean, it's it's it. I got good fan service. It was an interesting story. I didn't know where it was going. I thought it slotted really well into the universe, especially. I mean, some of the stuff with the names and everything, like John. I mean, it, it fit really well with things that were written ten years ahead of it, ten years after it. So yeah, a, a plus. Jeremy. I mean, except except for the bag of bucks. Thing. Except for the That's bag gross. of bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, uh, and God dog. Yeah, God dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't, I can't unconditionally love it uh, because because of the the ending is so just so goofy. Like the, right. the 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 God dog is just one of the the silliest things. Like I was I was reading this. Um, I had had a bit of an insomnia the the other night, and so this was like one o'clock in the morning. And I'm sitting in my li- I'm like s- trying to go to sleep in my living room reading this book, and just like almost literally laughed out loud at it in an empty room because it was so dumb. Um, the 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 girl bug stuff doesn't bother me as much, but that that yeah. kind of just removes so many points from the overall spookiness and kind of coolness of this the setting and these characters that I I, I can't like unconditionally love it. Um, but everything up to that was, was really fascinating, really good. And it's, it's hard to remember that this came out, um, it was after book four, um, but before book five. Right. So, you know, I was so hungry for, for, you know, I almost said dark souls material for dark (laughs) tower material, uh, that just, you know, this little bitty glimpse into the past of Roland that didn't involve a, you know, 500 pages worth of love story. I was, I was so very much into so just just having that, uh, I was I was really excited about. And uh, reading it back now, I, I I really enjoy it. But man, God Dog just loses so many. It's like Wife Arm from Bionic Commando. Yeah. Just just you get there and you're like, nope, can't. I'm like you could have had the best time ever, but God. yeah. Now now you have a Wife Arm and a God Dog, and I just I'm out. I, I, you, you lost me at Wife Arm and God Dog. So. Wife Arm just makes me so happy. Like uh, obviously that 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 story beat in that game is fucking ridiculous. But every time somebody mentions that, I think back to the Joystick Podcast about that particular thing, and they just went on for twenty minutes about Wife Arm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking about podcasts I listened to ten years ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. No, it's it's worth it. I mean, that's Wife Arm is something truly special, man. It really is. <laughs> Yeah, um, I enjoy this quite a bit. Um, God Dog, I don't think bothers me as much as you, even though I can understand that it is that it is you know desperately dumb, especially with the rules that are the, the, that are introduced about the way vampires work in 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 this. Uh, but what have you? What sticks out to me are two things. Um, weirdly enough, this is I think outside of like like outside of. Um, the non-flashback Dark Tower material. 
Um, this is the only young Roland story that we get that is not ex- that is not explicitly framed as a as Roland telling the story himself. With most everything, he's either telling it to Brown and Zoltan, you know, in in the desert, or telling it to Eddie and Susanna and and Jake, you know, as as they're doing their travels. Like this is this is just a story about you know about Roland that is told that is told straight you know from 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 a perspective so structurally that's really interesting i think you know talking less in a meta way but more about the actual you know subject matter as presented here um i love how claustrophobic it is i love the fact that you know we see roland incapacitated a lot you know the entire second book was him sick and <laughs> sick and dying and going crazy on a beach and being dragged along in a wheelchair right you know we 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 see that quite a bit uh but here that is used um to pretty unique effect um and also to very good effect you know to show just how much Roland is under the power of these nurses to show you know just how how dangerous he is and the fact that really the only thing keeping him safe is attached on this tiny tiny little chain like there's the, the there's a tension inherent to this story that does make this you know much more in line with a horror story than a lot of the other dark tower material right um and so yeah. that that i think sticks out to me and makes this makes this really work in addition to the fact that you know the the, the little sisters themselves are just such a good and economical horror antagonist specifically for roland um <laughs> and the, the 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 horror of the doctor bugs cannot be oversold and i'm happy that we're going to see them later too um yeah so i think that's just about everything that i have to say thank you very much for coming on and talking about this jeremy and autumn hey well, thank, thank you for, you having, for us. having us this has, been, this has been great yeah. yeah um where can people find you online i'll start with you autumn uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mrs. Greer. That's at M-I-S-S-U-S Greer. Um, you can also find me on the Duckfeed Slack in the Radio Free Midworld channel. Awesome. Jeremy? I haven't seen Autumn in the Radio Free Midworld channel in quite some time, so I think she's lying to us, y'all. I haven't been there in a while yeah. either. So. I learned. I learned. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. Uh, I do a, another podcast on the Duckfeed Network with uh, Cole's so partner, Gary. Uh, called Days of Future Cast, and uh, I'm mentioning it because we have finished our X-Men animated series run, and we oh, have God. moved on. So uh, what's coming out right now are a couple of episodes of the old 90s Spider-Man cartoon, mm. which is surprisingly, like, good. Yeah. Uh, they did about five episodes um, with the crossover with the with the X-Men team, so that, oh, that nice. we're covering those first, and then we're going to dive into something that I'd never heard about until uh, Gary brought it up and suggested that, that we cover it, which is Avengers United, which was also from the 90s, but is kind of like off-brand Avengers. So mm. none of your Captain Americas, none of your none of your Thors, or none of your Iron <laughs> Man. It's, it's all like Great Lakes Avengers, basically. So I'm nice. kind of really excited. And, and the outfits are ridiculous and dumb, and it's <laughs> going to be really exciting to cover. So uh, come over to Days of Future Cast and come check it out. Awesome. Yep, and you know where you can find me, uh, shows at duckfeed.tv, um, and doing streams and videos uh, at twitch.tv slash duckfeedtv and youtube.com slash duckfeedtv. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to the show. Next episode is going to be about Salem's Lot. Uh, the one after that is going to be about the regulators, and then we are moving on to uh, the Wolves of the Kala. So I am... Uh, 
burning through those and trying to get ready for that season. It's going to be a good time. Um, We hope to see you there. But until next time, long days and pleasant nights.